Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Give Them the Sports Biz. Dan Avone out in San Francisco, joined, like always, with the NFL agent, Mr. Matt Marino, out in New York City. Matty, what do you say? Hey, Dan, what's going on? Uh, just kind of keeping going. Ready. All the sports stuff going on, man. It's, it's countdown to not kickoff, but the draft, which will take place next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Now, the NFL has just released some of the logistics because there's so many questions as to how this is going to be pulled off from a television standpoint and the practicalities in terms of the NFL players and, of course, the teams that will be drafting from this year's class. Now, here is what we know for draft 2020 that 58 players that are typically invited this year would have been to Las Vegas and would have been in the green room. 58 players have already been sent a kit from the NFL. Now, in that kit includes a camera. There are production lights. And let me tell you, as a television sportscaster, production lights and lighting is everything so that they can capture those candid moments when a player is chosen and the reaction from his couch. And then Roger Goodell will be located in the basement of his home. And Roger Goodell, instead of having, of course, the player when he's announced and the team that has picked him, coming to the stage, putting on the hat and getting the bro hug. Instead of that this year, they will do a quick FaceTime for a couple of minutes with the players that is chosen. Now, all 32 teams that we know of, at least at this juncture, they have their IT has to be in place this week. They'll go through a mock draft early next week on a couple of occasions, and then they're off. Now, from what I can gather that a lot of the teams and a lot of the general managers, certainly there are a lot of frayed nerves as to whether this is going to be pulled off and some of the practicalities as to how this is going to work out in terms of effectiveness. But they feel as though that for the most part, they can get their guy. But the biggest concern seems to be once the draft is over, then starts, well, what is supposed to start is, of course, those undrafted players and the undrafted free agency begins, and it's always a frenzy. And then, of course, this year, with the inability of obviously contacting these players and being able or being limited in terms of doing everything virtually, it's going to be even that much more crazier. Can you walk us through that process? Not necessarily the draft, but once the draft is over, Matt, what takes place with the undrafted free agents? Sure, Dan. So, you know, traditionally um, what happens is, you know, usually around the six rounds, um, you know, you start getting phone calls. Um, even your clients, your players are getting texts and, and calls from uh, position coaches, uh, executives, scouts, uh, sometimes head coaches if you're a, a very high priority free agent for them. Um, you know, usually in the sixth, seventh round, that communication, um, you know, starts and, you know, you'll have scouts reaching us, reaching out to us. Um, and usually how teams do it, they'll, they'll break it up. They'll have a, you know, position, position coach, you know, defensive line coach with, um, one of their scouts and, you know, they'll be, you know, hand in hand, um, working with the agents, working with the players to make sure those players are getting signed, um, getting them their offers and, uh, teams are, you know, a lot of the set amount in, in free agency, but, you know, usually what they're doing is they're usually they can go as low as, you know, zero dollars, um, you know, just an invite. Um, and, and, you know, you have players, you know, kind of the premier positions, quarterback, offensive line, uh, wide receiver, defensive back, 
uh, sometimes you can up as high as, you know, 25,000. Um, and then teams are putting in what they call paragraph five money, which is a guarantee. Um, you know, and that can be up as high as, you know, a hundred and 125,000. Um, traditionally it's not traditionally, it's, you know, usually around 10 to 10 to 20,000 bucks, um, you know, for a player, but, but that starts in the sixth round, you're, you're fielding those offers and trying to create, you know, kind of a tiered system of, all right, well, you know, the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts and Los Angeles Rams are, are, you know, the top teams on the list. And then you have the second tier of teams. Um, but that all can change then too, is as the sixth and seventh round go on. Um, and we've had guys that, you know, have been signed, you know, quote unquote signed in the sixth and seventh rounds and have been then drafted. And, you know, obviously they go back, you know, the teams have to go back into their pool, go back onto their board and say, all right, well, you know, Joe Smith has been drafted. So we got to go back and see who's number two on our list now. Um, and that's what they do. Um, you know, traditionally the teams are supposed to wait um, until after the draft ends. And you do have some teams um, with, uh, you know, some history and some, some GMs that are involved in the, in the competition committee. You know, they, they do wait, you know, Giants, Ravens, Patriots, they seem to be, you know, trying to follow the rules as best possible. But, but obviously there's that competitive, you know, streak and they want to get every competitive advantage they can. Um, you know, so those conversations start taking place. Um, so, you know, sometimes an hour after the draft, you know, you might have, you know, five or six free agents already signed and you're done. Um, and, you know, teams can even lock it up, um, you know, themselves signing 12 to, you know, 15 players um, after about 30 to 40 minutes and, and they just close up for the night then. So typically that's how a typical draft would go off with the undrafted free agents. But this year with the limitations and everything being done virtual, what are some of the challenges for the teams as well as the players well, when yeah. it comes to undrafted free agents specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, the biggest challenge is, you know, everyone's in different rooms and you don't have, you know, the duality of a scout and position coach kind of working hand in hand and, and fielding the offers, um, getting the offers out to agents. Um, you know, so you're trying to be as proactive as possible and, you know, that's really what's going on now. You know, teams are trying to set up their, their draft rooms, you know, all over the country, you know, scouts in Texas and, you know, a head coach in, you know, New Orleans and, you know, someone up in the Northeast uh, because those scouts and coaches are normally in the team facility in one room, um, coordinate this with the big board. And, you know, they now have, as you just mentioned, you know, you have technology and IT and all other things, all the other elements that kind of come into play. Um, so normally, you know, you can, you know, receive an offer as an agent and, you know, maybe 40 seconds later, sometimes left less that offers pulled because, you know, your guy was number two and they already signed a number one guy. Um, so, you know, I think this year it's going to be even more difficult to figure out, you know, how to, um, you know, not only communicate from the team side, because look, do the teams then have to get, you know, an okay, or, you know, who's the person, the point person running out for that team, um, you know, their free agency process, but then, you know, who has to sign off on it as, as the last person, um, you know, once that scout makes an offer to an agent for a player, um, you know, when the agent accepts it, you know, you might have teams, you know, reneging on that and it might even go the other way. You might have a lot of agents reneging, um, on it and that's just, you know, bad for business all around. So the, the rules will remain the same in terms of the time when you always hear that you're on the clock, a team will have in that first round. 10 minutes. There's been some talk because of the way things are being done with all the challenges. Would they potentially extend that out to 12, 13 minutes to give teams more time, but they're going to stick to the 10 minutes. They're going to stick to the same rules. And I think it's, it goes down to, I think maybe eight minutes or. Yeah. It drops. Minutes. Yeah. It drops as you go long, you know, later on in the draft. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yep. So that's going to remain the same. I, one of the big concerns just from a practical matter is 
you know, teams getting hacked. What's to prevent somebody from hacking, you know, your, well, they're not at the facilities, but hacking somebody's computer and finding out exactly what it is that you guys plan on doing or what you're going to do. And, and the security risk is also something that has to be addressed here, I would think, Matt. Yeah, the security risk. Um, I know John Harbaugh's. he's commented on the uh, the hacking uh, situation, um, mainly because he's probably been victim to it a couple times by a certain team from the uh, the New England area. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, I think he's not the only one. He's not alone, you know, when, when concerned. I mean, teams are so uh, – they, they keep their draft board so close to their vest um, this entire process, um, and they don't want it to come out, obviously, you know, day of the draft, you know, second day of the draft. Um, so I think, you know, one of the biggest things is, is them finding a balance. All right, you know, how do we communicate with the agents, you know, with the players as the draft kind of wears on, um, you know, into the later rounds, um, you know, and how do we, you know, make sure that we have this, the proper security in place as well, too, uh, because not only are they, you know, communicating during the three dry draft, but they're communicating now, um, you know, so emails are going out, conference calls are being had, video conferences, just as if, you know, you work at, a, you know, a law firm or a, you know, inside a, a family you know, insurance office, whatever it might be, um, in the same capacity, that's how the NFL is conducting business. Uh, normally, that business would be, you know, face-to-face in a team facility, you know, with their big board in their, in their war room, quote-unquote. Um, and now, you know, you have teams that are hosting or, you know, hosting these Zoom conferences. Um, you know, I talked to one team earlier today. They're in Zoom conferences till 4 to 5 p.m. today, uh, Eastern time. And, you know, that's what teams are doing. They're having these, you know, these kind of um, – wide range of conferences with the number of people on it. And, and they're hopeful that, you know, they're not being hacked by, you know, other teams or other people in the league um, that can then get into their information. When do things start ramping up for you personally as an NFL agent? At what um, point during the process, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Saturday for us, you know, if, if you know, we, I think we could spend another podcast if it's, you know, if a player's being drafted, you know, the team calls a player, they call us and they call the player back. You know, if it's a, if it's an undrafted player, you know, six round Saturday, you know, evening is when it really gets going. Um, you want to make sure as many guys have offers and are signed and have spots to go to, you know, you don't want to be left, you know, waiting around for an offer for a player. Um, and this year even more so because you don't even have mini camps, um, you know, after the draft, you know, usually what happens after the draft is that, you know, you always see, you know, your first round picks, second round picks, third round picks, you know, all the way through, you know, at the team facilities within, you know, a couple of days and then you see the entire draft class there within a week and a half or so. Um, and, and mini camps take place. It's, it's your first time seeing your rookies at your team facility and you won't have any of that. And what also happens is that teams invite in usually, you know, another 12 to 20 players, you know, for three or four contracts. Um, and they call them trial players, mini camp invites. Um, and there's two weekends of, of rookie mini camp. There's about half the league does it the first weekend after the draft. The other half of the league does it the second weekend after the draft. And there won't be any of that this year. Um, so that really, you know, lets teams, um, you know, hurts players because they can certainly fall through the cracks. Um, certainly players from smaller schools as well. And then, you know, players that didn't have pro days this year. I think there was 133 pro days that were canceled. Um, so really only about, you know, 30% of this, you know, evaluation process is done. So I know everyone kind of pushes back, you know, why is the league having the draft? you know, the general manager pushback, it's not so much, you know, the actual draft of three days event, you know, that's really, that can be done by phone and that, that will be done by phone. 
it's the, you know, the four months before it that really couldn't take place. Um, the medicals, the evaluations that, you know, just like anyone else wants to meet someone um, and sit down with their future employer uh, or employee, that's what the NFL teams and that's what the players want to do as well. And also another good reason to have the draft is, and you had touched on this, that this is an opportunity for the NFL, as you mentioned, that they like to capture the entire calendar year. And with everybody just thirsting for any sense of sports normalcy, this is when they can just dominate. They can just just showcase their product because they're going to be the only show. Let's move on to the NFL and the Players Association. They came to an agreement just a couple of days in this past week where they agreed to a virtual off-season program. It's obviously voluntary, as it always is, but can, can you sort of walk us through that? I believe it's four days a week. And four hours four hours a day. Is that right now? yep so you're yeah you're looking at you know four days a week four hours a day um and basically what you know what it entails is that if a club elects to have you know any portion of their off-season program um you know the players are like you mentioned you know it's a voluntary thing um, now a lot of players though um they have money tied up into their um, off-season workouts um right so for an example you know if a you know player signs a contract and he has an incentive, you know that he is participating in seventy five percent of the off season workouts. Um, you know, and you know that's a low number. Usually, it's like you know eighty five ninety percent. Um, you know, so you know if it's a if it's a program now, um, and he might have one hundred fifty thousand dollars tied up in that, or two hundred fifty thousand dollars tied up in it. Um, so that's a significant amount of money for a lot of players. Um, and usually, those are the players that you know, really have to work for that money. Uh, these are, you know, your, your roster spots at the back end of the roster, special teamers, you know, backup players, um, you know, think players of that nature. So, you know, really um, that's a, that's a big chunk of change for them. So, you know, if he's, you know, a player that has, you know, or on a team that has, you know, 32 workouts, um, he can only miss three, three sessions, um, you know, three virtual sessions. Right. Um, so if the, you know, the team has, you know, 20 workouts or 20 sessions virtually, he can only miss one. Um, and, you know, this is something that happens a lot in the off season. Uh, players come into facilities. Like I said, it's voluntary, but it is a way for them to earn, you know, extra money. Um, it also applies to, to bonuses and salary escalators and de-escalators. Um, their base pay, basically what happens is it, it can rise um, or fall in the off season, um, depending on if they participated in the minimum amount of their, you know, off season program. Um, and they'll see those results, you know, once the season starts in their weekly game checks, um, you know, so you might have a, you know, a player that has, you know, uh, a lower number because he's, you know, uh, participated less in the off season virtual program this year. And it's always one of those, it's voluntary. And every year we always hear about, because it's leaked either via social media or, whatever avenue, but, you know, whether it's a player making a statement via a contract or a holdout to those players that don't show up, but you would think this year that there's not a lot of excuses because what else are you going to do? You may as well do the four days a week and four hours a day because, you know, there's just not a lot else going on in this world. Yeah, and that that affects the rookies too. You know, rookies, you know, they have a, they already have a learning curve, right? You know, not to mention quarterbacks on their own, wide receivers learning the book. Um, But rookies, overall have a huge learning curve. Um, so to get them in, you know, normally what they, they have an eight week, you know, um, you know, rookie transition program at the team facility. And that includes on the field, off the field, 
you know, financial, you know, NFLPA, player engagement, player development, uh, a number of things, a number of issues. That's why it's two months long. And they don't have any of that. Um, so, you know, you could have players, um, you know, coming into training camp in the end of July without touching, you know, anything physically, um, not meeting their position coaches, you know, not going through, you know, any of this process. And the reason they do this process prior to training camp is, you know, they want players to be able to worry about training camp. Um, so it could put rookies, you know, tremendously behind the eight ball, um, not to mention quarterbacks and also teams with new head coaches. Teams with new head coaches and then teams with new quarterbacks, because you're talking about getting to the facility, getting the playbook, and then going through whether it's a new system. And typically, I mean, you look at Tom Brady and just using him as an example, but all, you know, other quarterbacks in the league, having that opportunity to work with your old coordinator, to work with whomever, your receivers, and getting in that system earlier, better than later, just so that you'd be more fluent once the season starts, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, I mean, if you just take, take one division for an example, if you take the NFC East, right, and you have a new quarter, well, a second year quarterback and a new head coach with um, the New York Giants, Joe Judge, you know, you have uh, the Washington Redskins, new head coach, Ron Rivera, um, Dwayne Haskins going into, it's his second year, but he really didn't play very much as a, as a rookie. Um, you know, then you have Dak Prescott, who will probably, if there is a physical offseason program, hold out, um, and Mike McCartney. Uh, first year head coach, um, you know, and then you have, you know, kind of the incumbent um, in Philadelphia, um, you know, so Philadelphia is looking pretty, pretty good there. Um, you know, you have a head coach that's, that's been there now for a couple of seasons. You have a quarterback that's been there for a couple of seasons. They've worked together. Um, you know, those, those two guys um, certainly know each other. Um, the organization is, you know, is well-prepared. Um, you know, during this, during this draft process. Um, so that puts them way, way ahead, you know, of those three other teams in their division, um, you know, because of those two, you know, those, those two positions, quarterback and head coach. Except obviously for those rookies going to Philadelphia, who like all the rookies will be behind the eight ball trying to, to learn the system and, and some of the things that you laid out. Well, Matt, it's all going off next week. We're, we're out of time, but I promise, and I tease this, I think last show, we'll get to Alden Smith who is looking to get back into the NFL. Alden Smith, of course, the former standout with the 49ers and then all of his off the season or off the field issues. And also Antonio Brown, there's been some talk about him coming back to the NFL potentially, but there's a lot of hoops that those guys have to travel through before that becomes a reality. We'll check in next week. And Matt, if you have some time, maybe we can do some pre-draft talk. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get into it. Absolutely. All right, Matt. Well, you enjoy the rest of the afternoon. And for Matt Marino, this is Dan Devone in San Francisco. Until next time, give them the sports biz, everybody. So long. See you, Dan. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.